Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. get this show on the road. What do you say, huh? So great to visit with everybody today. So great to be in the Indiana Outdoor Studios. I cannot believe we're at the end of April. We got mushrooms everywhere. We got turkeys. I can't, I, I'm just dumbfounded with the number of people that I've seen pictures of their birds already here in the first few days. Of course, turkey season historically opens on a Wednesday. A lot of folks out there this first weekend. Hopefully that is you. Uh, get some of the great experiences of talking turkey in the spring woods. I've said this repeatedly, and I'll continue to say it. Every person needs to hear a tom gobble or multiple toms gobble and have that conversation between the hen, the hunter, and the gobbler. And it is just one of those beautiful sounds in nature that you just need to experience. So now's the time to do it. Maybe you'll find a few morels along the way. But in the meantime... We got a show here today that is bittersweet for me. I've looked forward to this all week long. One of our good friends and correspondents, Jay Anglin, you know him, Anglin Outdoors, one of our great guide friends up northern Indiana, our correspondent from the north. He's uh, going through something that any dog owner just absolutely kills him. And he had to put one of his best dogs down after a very long and fruitful life. And It struck me, uh, his eulogy on Facebook that he wrote just struck me with every dog that I have owned and any dog owner has gone through this pain. And I said, guess what? We're going to talk about that. And he's given us some time this morning. Uh, He's got some guiding he's doing at the same time. But he said, yeah, I want to talk about it. So it's been a week and we're going to visit with him and share some memories about about his dog and not just memories, but what it means to be the master of a great hunting dog, a working dog. So we're going to be with him. The Natural Resources Foundation, brand new uh, Erica Peterson is going to be with us. She's the development director for the southern half of the state and then a longtime friend. We haven't caught up with him a bit. Fishing with Clint. We're going to find out what he's been up to fishing with folks around the state of Indiana. It is a big show, and Jay Anglin is on. He's going to be joining us here shortly. I'm so looking forward to this conversation. Don't go anywhere. It's Indiana Outdoor Show. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, and I am your host, Brian Pointer. So grateful that you are with us. Here we are at the end of... April, we've got full swing of turkey season starting on Wednesday. So many pictures already of people, less of the morels, more of the big toms. But all in due time, it's going to be a great season. The weather has been fantastic. And congratulations to a lot of those who are out there, maybe for the first time, 
this year in the woods. And we have a big show, as I mentioned, but this one's really, really special to me, and I've been looking forward to this all week long. Longtime friend of Indiana Outdoors, regular contributor here, good friend of mine, joins me, Jay Anglin, our correspondent from the north, avid guide in about everything that you could guide from fish to deer to turkey. But we're going to get to some of that. But Jay, it's so great to visit with you. You had a big week in that you laid your trusted lab, your your pretty girl, Trixie, uh, went to the big marsh in the sky and your eulogy struck me so hard. And anybody who owns a working dog, anybody who has a relationship with a dog should go to Anglin Outdoors and read the eulogy that you posted about Trixie. And I said, this is exactly what I want to do on Indian Outdoors this day is to talk about how important dogs are and especially working dogs in our life. Nonetheless, they help support what you do. So first of all, welcome to Indiana Outdoors back. I know you've been out in the turkey woods. Appreciate you giving us a few minutes, my friend. Oh, it's always good to be here. So as I mentioned, anybody who has had a dog, I'm, I'm a lab guy. I've had multiple labs and have hunted behind multiple species from pheasant to quail to ducks you name it, I've been behind a lot of great dogs, and you develop a friendship just like you would with a human. If you own a dog and there are a working dog, it's a whole different thing. And I just wanted you to kind of share your thoughts on your relationship with Trix. So, you know, um, I we were always dog people growing up, and we always had dogs. Um, and you know, most of the time when I was younger, we had an English sheep dog, and she was awesome, but she wasn't a hunting dog course and so as i got into hunting uh our first lab was a christmas gift probably in the early 80s early to mid 80s and you know over the years you know you learn you fall in love with them they become your trusted companion you're i mean they're just you know dogs are great it doesn't matter if they hunt or not they're all great but when you have a that kind of a relationship where they're like a partner and they start to sort of absorb your style like when i used to guide pheasants a lot i had a couple of labs that i didn't have to tell them anything like i'd think something and whether it was telepathic or they just simply knew me so well they would do it and it was amazing and i've read books about that there's other guys that talk about that i've written books but so that's sort of that bond that kicks in and and you know i've always had males and females you know and um trixie girl came to us uh i was looking for a chocolate my wife my wife wanted another chocolate we'd had a couple and uh she came from um northwest minnesota uh, a guy by the name, name of jim mcbride was breeding a really good line of dogs very athletic dogs and uh you know the ultimate honor to me was when he called me a couple years ago and bought uh, one of trixie's puppies back from me <laughs> you know i mean that says it all it was it's, it's sure. just a great line of dogs but trixie and i had she had oh, oh i'd say roughly about 50 pups over the years um and i have a couple now that are going to be obviously my number ones now um a male and a female um jack and uh, dakota but trixie and i had a really really tight bond um She's just a sweetheart of a dog. She needed my affection a lot, and we spent a ton of time in the field, upland, grouse, pheasant, quail, woodcock, ducks, geese. But her big her big thing, her big program was always like the big shoot. So we'd go snow goose hunting, shoot 80 snows, and she'd retrieve 83 because she'd find three cripples that were still in the field <laughs> from guys the week before, you know. Um, 
she's just a motor. I mean, she's the real deal. And, and, and then we'd go home and she'd turn into a big sweetheart, you know? She'd sit in your lap and lick your face and she didn't bark. She rarely barked. If someone came to the house and banged on the door, she might let out one bark. So she was really special for us. She was 10 and a half years old. And, uh, you know, so many go th- people go through this. There's nothing, you know, particularly unusual about what happened to us. But um, I always feel compelled as a writer to just kind of, it was, in her case, it was sort of a thought stream where I just, I, you know, it was 10 at night and I just said, okay, this is it. I got to talk about this. And, and, it, and it, it helps heal that, that you know, those feelings of just, you know, you're lost. It's, it, I mean, it's terrible, as everybody knows that's been through it. Yeah, I mean, it's a hollow feeling and it's, a de- it's just one of those things. I, I kind of gave up on the, I've ruined a lot of labs and turned them into great puppy or great uh, lap dogs and, and house dogs. And I have always admired the relationship that guides or folks who have taken that discipline of creating that relationship and training a good working dog, whether it's a pointing breed, it's a retrieving breed, it doesn't matter. Part of my fascination with hunting is going out and anytime there's a dog involved, I get more thrill out of watching the dog and working the dog than I do the actual game itself. And as I was reading the, the, the testimony that you gave about Trixie, it just brought back every dog that I've owned. I own a big old fat, hairy, lazy like me, Bernie's mountain dog now, Gus. And, you know, that dog, it just everything that you said reminds me of my relationship with that dog. I mean, he knows when I'm sad. He knows when I'm depressed. He knows when he's going to go get in the car. As I often say, it's his car. I just drive it. And he wants my affection 100% of the time. And you're right. There's everybody who has a dog who's lost a dog is saying, yeah, I get it. But there's something special when a man can feel so connected to a dog. And I don't mean to be sexist, but it is when you can express your feelings about your partner, as you said, in the way that you ver- verbalized it. And it, as you noted, it wasn't without a lot of uh, of anguish along the way. And your son got his big $300 mid eaten up and everything else. We've all been through that, but those are part of the good and the bad times. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what, you know, makes it, you know, I mean, everyone, I, I know Deuce, who was the sire for all those litters, you know, we put him down uh, a year and a half ago and uh, he was 12, but you know, his thing was table legs, uh, 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 table <laughs> legs and chair legs. It's like, come on, man. You know, here I've got this gorgeous dining room table that I inherited from my dad. <laughs> And, you know, all the legs are just chewed up. So I got to, you know, take that to a carpenter sometime and have him fix it. But, uh, no, it, it's we all have the same experiences. And it's, it's it's you know, to just make, I don't know, I, when I talked about it, for me, it made me feel better. Um, she was such a special girl. And uh, I know so many people go through it. And they they probably would like to talk about it. But there's really no one else to talk, no one to talk about and uh, or talk to about it. And, uh I, I, you, I totally agree with you. Um, you have that special bond and, you know, males and females are a little different. Males are more like a gonzo relationship, even potentially contentious sometimes big males. Females tend to bond a lot more deeply, I think, with um, some people when they hunt them because they're, they're, I don't know, they just have a little different temperament. And um, I think with she and I, we just had that incredible t- bond where, Again, she knew what I wanted before I'd even, you know, you know, 
make her do it. Like if I was trying to signal her or something. But it sounded like this came quickly. It did. So she she had um, a, a large tumor, um, and uh, that was less than a year ago, and I had it removed, and the vet said, we better test it. And I said, why? Because it might be cancer. I said, well, if she has cancer, I'm going to know about it pretty quick. You know, I don't. you don't need to squeeze another 250 out of me. And sure enough, about three months later, um, she started to get more tumors and then lose a lot of weight. And then, of course, we confirmed it. And, um, and uh, yeah, it was very, very, very quick. But, you know, my thing was this. Look, I know she's not going to last much longer, but if she's wagging her tail and doing her little routines and uh, getting along okay, I, I, you, you usually know. There's a day when you're like, okay, she's looking at me like, I don't feel good. This sucks. I'm done. And she did that to me um, mm. last Friday. Mm. And um, I called my son in Marquette, Michigan, at Northern Michigan University. They drove through the night and um, so because he missed the last time. So he came, and uh, we were all around her and gathered around, and the vet did her thing. And, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it is what it, 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 you know, that was that. So well, I've always uh, said uh, to uh, other good friends like yourself who have faced this decision, it's never another person's judgment when they see a dog in its master. Oh, you should put that dog down. I would never, ever say that to a dog owner because you're exactly right. You will know and that dog will know. And I've seen dogs in their masters who have spent inordinate amounts of money, mental energy, stress and trauma to keep dogs alive. And I get that. So there's a point in time where you just knew and she looked at you and you looked at her and she said, let's go. And my gosh, there's no worse feeling on the planet than when the deed is done. And I just felt like sharing this today with those who might be out there, maybe facing the same situation that there is others that that hurt in the same way. And like you said, you've got some, some young pups that are going to live with her. And the most important thing that I took from from your message was the pictures because every one of those pictures now lives with a story and you'll never be able to take that away. Yeah. And I would encourage anybody that loves their dogs. And of course it's so easy now with these phones. And I mean, these phones are taking as good of pictures or better in some cases than the big cameras because I have the big camera and a lot of time I use my phone for stuff like that, but um, take a bunch of photos and put them in a file. And, you know, I, I probably have 500 photos of that dog uh, and doing various things, and they're not all hunting oriented. You know, some of it's goofy stuff, chasing tennis balls and stuff. But um, you, you know, I, I look at it like this: when, my, when I get a puppy, I, you know, we all love puppies; they're awesome, and they start to become dogs, and they, they're around us, and they love us. And dog people get this, and they become part of the family, part of the pack. And when I look at a dog, in the back of my mind, I know that my deal, here's my deal. You're going to bring me an incredible amount of joy and happiness over the next 10 to 15 years. But when the time comes, I have one job and that is to take away your suffering and, you know, and take care of it. And it's, it's the hardest thing for some people to face, but it's just part of the deal. It's on the contract and you signed it. And that is your, that's your deal. And my dogs, I've had three of them do that where they just come and sit there and look at me and they're drooping their heads and they're, 
and some were just from old age. And in this case, she was obviously very, very ill. And, um, yep. and I know I, it's amazing. They know they're like, look, I, I need help. Dad, can you help me here? And that's, that's it. Well, you know? real quick, um, go to Jay Anglin, Anglin Outdoors, go to your Facebook, go to your Instagram. You can get it all there real quick. I know you've been out guiding turkeys this, uh, first few days of the turkey season. I think this is going to be another, this is going to be a record year. I think I've seen more big, uh, big, uh, big toms and people sharing stories in the first three days of the season than I can remember. What are your thoughts? I would agree. Uh, you know, obviously there could be some weird catastrophic weather event that causes problems, but, um, you know, like a, a succession of a, a bunch of series of storms or something. But um, we were coming into this with a lot of birds and that was great. Um, birds have been real active for weeks and I would agree, opening day, I was stunned at the number of guys that went out and just, like, chip-shotted right into, you know, the hole with the bird. I mean, it was, like, quick and easy. I did that in Michigan, uh, guiding opening day up there, and it was, like, one of the easiest. It was it was one of the most bizarre hunts I've ever been on, worth a whole other session. But, uh, yeah, I mean, she tagged her bird. Uh, everybody I know that's been out has either had a shot or, or tagged a bird. Um, yeah, so I would agree. It, it's it's exceptional uh, for sure this year. Well, well, time will tell, and I think uh, we got some wet weather coming in for the next few days here, at least in central Indiana. And I know you are all around still fishing. I assume good fishing weather. Yeah, it's been pretty darn good. I mean, it got real warm, and everything kind of like changed and went into the next you know phase of their life cycle of spawning or whatever. And then we dropped back down into this sort of like, you know, early spring, late winter thing and kind of threw a little monkey wrench in. But, yeah, trout fishing's been good. Smalley fishing's been good. Largemouth fishing's good. Muskie fishing's kicking in. Steelhead's kind of winding down. Uh, the lake fishery's kicking in um, where guys are actually trolling for kings and stuff. So, yeah, man, all, all systems are go. I mean, it's you take your choice. Take your pick and go do it, and you're probably going to have success. Well, best to you and Ange and your son who's in the middle of baseball right now. And I know you're very busy with guiding and everything else, but I just wanted to spend a few minutes and share some personal stories, which you did so eloquently. Anglin Outdoors, Jay Anglin, our good friend, thanks so much for sharing today. It's always great being here, folks. Get out there and enjoy yourselves and be safe. Be good, my friend. Always great to visit with Jay Anglin, one of the best in the business and a great friend. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, and I am your host, Brian Pointer. Don't go anywhere. We're going to visit with our friends at the Natural Resources Foundation right after this. the Indiana Outdoor Show. Many thanks for all of our stations who carry us around the state of Indiana. Thank you also to our good friends at Indiana Donor Network, driven to savelives.org. We are making progress. That donor list of Hoosiers in need of transplant is is going down thanks to you driven to save lives.org sign up to be that organ and tissue donor when you buy your hunting and fishing license. And I, of course, your host, Brian Pointer. Great to be with you at the end of April. Where in the world? We're almost in the magical month of May in Indianapolis at the end of April here. Of course, turkey season started midweek. I have already seen enough big toms to know that this is going to be a great season. Such great stories. As I mentioned at the top of the hour, 
Always great to visit with our friends at the Natural Resources Foundation in Indianapolis. And with that, we have a new voice, a new guest with us. Erica Peterson is the newest addition to the Natural Resources Foundation in Indianapolis. She is the development coordinator. Erica, it's great to welcome you to Indian Outdoors. How you been? I've been good. Thanks for having me on today. Um, Like you said, I just started my position at the beginning of April as the development coordinator. So I will be taking care of the southern half of Indiana. Um, And I'm excited to chat about what I've learned so far about the foundation and a couple events and programs we have going on. Well, all good. You get to keep Jody in in check. So that's a good (laughs) thing. And you know, the, the Natural Resources Foundation, let's just start for those around the state that might be new. We have some newer affiliates, maybe hearing about the NRF for the first time. What is the Natural Resources Foundation? Why is it important for Hoosiers? Yeah, so the Indiana Natural Resource Foundation serves as the official nonprofit for the Indiana DNR. The mission of the foundation is to celebrate and preserve Indiana's natural legacy, and we raise funds to support Indiana DNR and its programs. Um, So a few programs that we have going on that have been important lately um, are the outdoor education incentives like Discover the Outdoors, which is a field trip grant for um, kindergartners through 12th grade to um, visit state parks. We also have the um, Indiana Tree Project going on and other land acquisition efforts to support um, Indiana's natural legacy and conservation efforts. You guys are never without great projects, and there are probably people right now saying, well, wait a minute, a nonprofit for the Department of Natural Resources, I pay my license fee money, and they get this windfall of cash from the General Assembly every year, and they're just overflowing with money. Why do they need to have a nonprofit? Of course, I jest, because none of that is true, except for the fact that our Department of Natural Resources, especially the Division of Fish and Wildlife, is fed by predominantly user driven licenses and other things, but there are so many things that don't happen or would not happen without the Natural Resources Foundation, and you guys have had such great success in the last few years under the leadership of Jody and folks like you raising money, but what are some of the things that that people may not know about the Natural Resources Foundation and some of the projects that you guys are behind, and what do yeah, they mean? So- Yeah, um, like I mentioned earlier about the um, tree project program, um, that's one we've been focusing on um, where we've been doing tree plantings around the state um, and we partner with um, different businesses to plant trees, especially oak trees, um, which um, have been, we've kind of been losing some of the oak trees in Indiana Um, And so we've been trying to regenerate some of the oak tree forests. Um, For example, we just did a tree planting um, this Tuesday with Cliff Bar. We partnered with Cliff Bar and the Indiana Division of Forestry to plant 2,500 trees, uh, mostly oak trees, at uh, Green Sullivan State Forest as part of the Indiana Tree Project. And this was the fifth time that Cliff Bar has um, done this tree planting with us since 2019. Um, they've planted approximately 20,000 trees in this time. And um, things like this, the foundation really appreciates um, because it's such a valuable partnership that we have. And we appreciate their a commitment to growing Indiana's public lands. So that's just one example of 
one of the things the foundation has working on has been working on very recently. Erica Peterson is our guest. She's the development coordinator, going to be focused in the southern half of the state and a long legacy of great things that really go on behind the scenes, but yet impact so many people. And of course, that tree initiative is part of the governor's program to plant. How many how many trees? A million trees. A million trees. And I nothing wrong with that. It's all good. And that is a great initiative. So I got to ask, with you there being less than a month, you've probably got it all figured out and you know all, all mm-hmm. the ins and outs. What did you do before you came to the Natural Resources Foundation? Uh, so I'm originally from Indianapolis, and I got my degree at IU um, in outdoor recreation. Right after I graduated, though, I moved to um, Steamboat Springs, Colorado, um, where I lived for the last five years. Um, and while I was there, I um, worked with summer camp and after school programs and running community events. Um, so while I was there, I um, worked with a lot of kids, school age kids, um, through these programs, trying to get them outside too. Um, so after spending five years there, I um, was ready to come back to Indiana and I've been enjoying it for the last month. Boy, I tell you what, nothing more pretty than Colorado and Steamboat in particular. I've been out there many times and love the mountains, love the the vibe out there, but there's nothing like coming home, right? Right. Whereabouts in Indiana was home? Uh, the south side of Indianapolis near Greenwood. There you go. And see the urban. Yep. So the Natural Resources Foundation obviously accepts contributions. What do you ask of Hoosiers that might be listening and say, you know, I'd like to know more. I'd like to give. I'd like to reach out. I'd like to ask questions. How do they get in touch with the NRF? Yeah, so if they want to visit Indiana. Um, nrf.org they can read a lot of our impact stories so our impact stories um, kind of explain what we've been doing and the impacts that donors have made so that's a really good place to start and then on your website or on the website you can see about our mission um, and also contact information if you wanted to reach out to anybody personally like Jody Crest the executive director myself Uh, the development coordinator, and then also Ethan Foster, who's the communications manager. So taking a look at our website, indiananrf.org, would be a great place to start for any listeners that would be interested in learning more about what we've got going on and, and how they can contribute. Well, we certainly appreciate you joining us, and congratulations. It's a great place to be, and we look forward to many more success stories. But thanks for being a part of Indiana Outdoors this morning, Erica. We'll welcome you back anytime. Thanks. Thank you, Brian. My pleasure. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. As mentioned, great visit with a new hire there. As mentioned, we're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. We're going to be back right after this. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. Music says so. Always puts me in a good mood. Of course, being here in the studio is a great time to celebrate all things Indiana Outdoors. And, of course, Indiana Outdoors is brought to you by our good friends at the Indiana Donor Network. Thank you so much for making this show possible. Couldn't do it without you, and they couldn't do it without you. Sign up to be an organ and tissue donor today at... at, uh, 
driven to the number two savelives.org. And so great to visit with Erica Peterson. Brand new, less than a month at the Natural Resources Foundation. And now we're going to switch over and talk to a veteran of our Division of Fish and Wildlife. Clint Kowalik joins us. It's great to have you go fishing with Clint. It's great to have you back on Indiana Outdoors. You're a busy guy. How you been? Uh, uh, I've been doing great, uh, Brian. Thank you for casting me a line. Oh, and look at you. you <laughs> I, and I, I love the uh, the name of my little new small business, Go Fishing with Clint. It's such a catchy name, don't you think? Oh, my gosh. You stayed up all night for all the uh, little buzzwords, <laughs> didn't you? I love it. it it's, just, it's just part of me well let's be you know you used to be the go fishing coordinator here in the state of indiana and did such a great job and left big shoes to fill great program in indiana but let's talk about what you're doing now uh i'm i'm filling a uh a unique niche i mean i've uh i've got friends that uh guide rivers like chad and jason on the the tippy and the sugar and in the white um and uh, they reach a particular audience, which isn't quite mine. Um, I'm uh, teaching beginners how to fish, uh, families, individuals. Also, um, in fact, uh, this morning, uh, I'm taking someone fishing either White River or Eagle Creek. Uh, he flew into town for um, a business trip and uh, wants to go fishing, so he, we're, he's going fishing with Clint. I love it. And, you know, the thing that I value about you in all candor is for years, your job as a professional within the Division of Fish and Wildlife was to reach educators and you helped coordinate the fishing pond at the state fair. And you reached thousands of people through the efforts of uh, your initiative of getting people introduced to fishing. And now, as you said, your small enterprise of doing that on a on a private basis, you would, there's just such a need for it. And you found that role and it's a passion of yours. Where did that come from? <laughs> well, uh, my dad uh, took me fishing at an early age. I caught a bluegill when I was four and I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> and, You're just uh, going to keep going, uh, man. I love it. <laughs> My, um, everybody has a happy place. My happy place is at the water's edge and that happy place becomes even more, um, exciting for me when I can introduce someone to my happy place and, uh, introduce them to, um, a pastime that has been a part of my life. And I love teaching people new skills that just, opens up their eyes and and gets them excited and that's that fuels me and that's uh, that's a that's great that's that. a great place to be when you make your vocation your vacation i say that almost weekly here but that's yeah. emblematic of almost every single person i talk to and mm-hmm. there's people right now that are listening driving at work on their way home whatever and they're saying wait a minute fishing's kind of elementary it's not to those that have never done it before or who might feel intimidated and you take that all away. Am I correct? Uh, absolutely. And I think I've even said this to you before, but uh, humans have um, a, uh, a, an ability, a, like it's just an ability to make things more difficult than they are. Yes, and, that would be uh, me. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, so I, I keep things simple, 
and safe and fun and local uh, and just for someone that's never uh, picked up a pole, you know, there's so many intimidating parts uh, to fishing. Uh, And so I just break it down and step by step. And uh, and then when you put all those little baby steps together, uh, we usually catch fish. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Clint Kowalik is with us. Go Fishing with Clint is his business, former coordinator for the Go Fishing program. And I know you're still very close to a lot of people in the Department of Natural Resources Division of Fish and Wildlife, but your passion for the outdoors certainly rings loudly with what you're doing. And, you know, there's people right now, for example, who are getting ready to trout season starts today. And a lot of people don't realize that there's trout being stocked by our division of fish and wildlife in great places. And people will come from all over great fighting fish. A lot of youth enjoy catching those fish. You keep it local, but you know, if you had to give some tips right now, I know that you don't want to give away all your trade secrets, but how do you break that down? If you said somebody wants to learn how to fish, besides we're going to get to how they contact you, what are some of the things that you can demystify? Well, I like uh, using um, really simple. So if I'm going fishing, it's a basic uh, spinning rig, and I like to use lures that can catch multiple species. So my uh, my big three, <laughs> the big three, are the, yeah, are the uh, the eighth ounce chartreuse rooster tail. Uh, second is um, uh, a, a crappie jig with a usually a, a chartreuse uh, curly tail grub, and I I have a couple different sizes of that, uh, like. Um, I like the 32nd ounce, but uh, I could go bigger with the 16th or smaller than the 64th, but those catch multiple species. And then uh, maybe a little more uh, specific would be uh, the Ned Rig, which is a um, uh, mushroom-style uh, bass jig that sinks to the bottom, and it has a soft plastic, uh, which is around three inches. And it looks pretty ridiculous how simple it is. But fish don't care. Yeah. And uh, so with those three different lures, I can target three parts of the water column. I can do the surface with the uh, rooster tail. I can go, I can, you know, flip and pitch with the uh, the crappie jig. And I can hit the bottom uh, with the Ned rig. And uh, last year I caught 16 species of fish in our uh, public waters in our lovely state of Indiana. Clint, that is great info and great intel. I would be remiss because I've teased it so much. How do people get in touch with you? Maybe they know someone who is exactly the way we've talked about. You know, I'd really like to fish, but I want to learn from somebody who can show it, break it down, and make it easy. How do they reach you? Uh, com. Uh, go fishing with Clint on Facebook. And I'm on Instagram. Uh, you can uh, search the hashtag. Go fishing with Clint. <laughs> Clint, it's always great to have you be a part of Indiana Outdoors. I know you're very busy, and we appreciate you giving some times and uh, some time to Indiana Outdoors. Always an open phone. Thanks for the tips. We look forward to having you back again real soon. Appreciate you, my friend. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you, Brian. Have a good day. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. We're going to be back right after this.
What a fantastic show. Difficult, but a great show. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. Got a little choked up with talking to my good friend Jay Anglin at the start of the show. I encourage everybody to go to Anglin Outdoors' Facebook page. Way too long for Instagram, but a great eulogy about a great relationship, a fruitful relationship with his dog, Trixie, who had been afield with him for dozens of years, for at least a dozen years. And uh, of course, we're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. want to make sure I thank all our sponsors, uh, including them for bringing this type of a show available to you today. You know, when, when I read the eulogy that he wrote, I was shocked because I wasn't aware that uh, Trixie was as ill as she was, but you heard him memorialize her in such a way and they had such a relationship and I think he used the term, we just thought alike. I didn't have to say anything and she knew what to do and she told him when it was time and I think that's the important message that I've seen with every great working dog and his master they will tell you when it's time. And I have never been one to say, man, you should put that dog down. Don't ever do that. That is a very personal thing that, you know, I've seen dogs do miraculous things. And he just reassured everybody about what a great relationship they had. Jay Anglin Outdoors. Many thanks to the Natural Resources Foundation. Erica Peterson joined us. Brand new with the foundation. Great work that they do. Always a good reminder of the nonprofit for the Department of Natural Resources. And believe it or not, we were able to catch up with Clint Kowalik. You remember him as the Go Fishing Coordinator in his private enterprise, now retired from the Division of Fish and Wildlife, but he is out teaching people to do what he loves, and that's to fish. Great to catch up with him. Remember, turn in a poacher, everybody, 1-800-TIP-I-D-N-R. Put a gobbler on the ground, put some morels in the skillet. Have a great weekend, and I think we're going to have a great turkey season. See you next week, everybody. See you outside. Mm-hmm.